And let's open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 8. It's on the screen. Ecclesiastes, I believe, is after which book? After Proverbs. And Proverbs is after, and Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. Amen. Just open it into two, and you are almost there. Praise the Lord. So Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 8 is a passage many of us have heard. Is a passage we have used to pray. Is a passage many don't know its meaning. And that's what we're going to be discussing this morning. It says, he that digged a pit shall do what? And, is, and whoso breaketh a hedge, a serpent shall bite him. He that digged a pit shall fall into it. That part is a little bit straightforward. If you dig a pit for someone to fall into it, this passage is saying, who will fall into the pit? You will fall into the pit that you have dug. So tell somebody, don't dig a pit for someone else. But the part we want to concentrate on today is, who so breaketh an edge, a serpent shall bite him. Now, spiritually, when we talk of a serpent, what are we talking about? Who does a serpent refer to? It refers to, to the devil. And the different ways the enemy may come to attack, that is the serpent. So the topic of our discussion this morning is the peril of sin. What did I say? The peril of sin. That's the topic we're going to be discussing. And I pray that the Lord will speak to every one of us today in Jesus' name. What is a hedge? What is a hedge? He that breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. In the context of this discussion, a hedge is a protection. Now, it's not just an ordinary protection. It's a protection put in place by God, by God himself to protect his people against the attacks of the serpent. Who is the serpent? The devil. Are we together? So a hedge is a protection that the Lord has himself put in place against the attacks of the devil. And the devil himself acknowledges this in the case of Job. In Job chapter 1 verse 10, Job chapter 1 verse 10, when the devil came before the Lord, and the Lord was saying, have you considered my servant Job? He's a just man. He's a righteous man. He's a perfect man. And the devil said, is he righteous for nothing? How won't he be righteous? When, look at that verse 10, has thou not made an hedge about him, and about his house, about all that he had on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. That is a testimony. Testimony, that is a testimony. A testimony. The devil himself was saying concerning Job, who was a child of God, and he was talking to God. He said, God, you have made an hedge about Job, but not just about him as a person, but about what? 
everything that he has. And you have edged him in so that there is no breakage. He has been edging on all sides. Then he went on to say, not only did you put an edge around him, you have blessed the work of his hands. God will bless the work of your hands. He said, you have blessed him and his substance is increased in the land. That tells me one thing. If the Lord can somewhat be interested in you as to protect you, he will do what? He will bless you. Tell somebody God will bless you. Uh -huh. Tell the person God will bless me. If the Lord can go as far as to put an edge of protection around you, your, your blessing is around the corner. Amen. And I pray for someone here today. That protection God has placed around, around you shall stand in Jesus' name. Amen. A story was shared with us of a group of traders that were going through the desert. And when I heard the story, the desert that occurred to me is the one that is called Sahara Desert. So either it was that desert or not, I don't know. But we were told that these merchants were walking through the desert, going with their produce to sell. And some robbers were following them. And the robbers said, well, we cannot attack them by day. So we'll attack them when? By night. We'll wait so that when they are not expecting, we will strike. So the robbers followed them during the day afar off. And at night, they moved close to them to strike. But then they observed a phenomenon. During the day, these people look normal. But at night, they are surrounded by what? By a wall of fire. They are surrounded by a hedge of fire around them. So the robbers could not come close to them by day. Because, of course, the people will fight back. And they couldn't come close to them by night. Because what? There was a hedge of fire around these traders. And this continued many days. The traders would not give up. Of course, they didn't know they were being followed. The thieves would not give up because they said, no, we must get to the root of this phenomenon. So they, they kept, until one day, tell somebody one day. Until one day, the edge was broken. One day, these traders slept and the thieves came close to them as usual to try and attack them, and lo and behold, there was no fire. The fire that would have kept the robbers in abeyance was no longer there. So they broke into the camp, but they didn't break into the camp to steal. They had seen enough that these are not people you just steal from, but they wanted to ask them, where did the fire go? Can you ask your neighbor, where did the fire go? And the, the traders knew what happened that night? They had a quarrel. They quarreled among themselves, and when the quarrel was over, or probably it was not over until they slept, because they didn't pray. And because they did not pray, the edge of fire that should have surrounded them was nowhere to be found. So the thieves were able to do what? To break through. Brethren, there is an edge of protection that God has placed around you. But sin can break through that edge. And that is why you must ensure that as a child of God, you live a life that loves holiness. A life that does what? The Bible says of our Lord Jesus Christ, it said, Thou hast loved what? Righteousness. 
Thou hast hated what? Iniquity. He said, therefore God thy God has done what? Has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. If the edge of fire will be permanent around you, if the edge of protection will be permanent around you, you must love righteousness and do what? Hate iniquity. Hate iniquity. You cannot love righteousness and be indifferent to iniquity. Remember, the Bible says you can be a partaker of somebody's sin. Tell somebody, don't be a partaker. The Lord will be with us in Jesus' name. If God can build an hedge or put an hedge around you, do you know what, brethren? He can also remove the hedge. If he can build an edge, he can also do what? He can remove the edge. The Bible says God is too holy. To do what? To do what? To behold iniquity. He will come. He will abide with you. He will surround you. He will protect you. He will lift you up. The moment you live a style of life that is welcoming unto him. I believe it's, uh, is it Psalm 15? Yeah, it's in Psalm 15 and it's in Psalm 24. Psalm 24 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Right? Who shall stand in his holy temple? And the Bible gives us an answer. Right? He that does what? He that has clean hands. And what? And a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Now look at verse 5. That was verse 4, Psalm 24. Verse 4, look at verse 5. He said, he shall receive what? He shall receive what? He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Remember where we started. If God will protect you, God will bless you. Tell somebody, because God is protecting me. He will bless me. That's the word of God. It is the word of God. If you live a life that you are worthy of the blessing of God, that life equally assures, I mean, you are worthy of the protection of God, that life equally assures that you are worthy of what? His blessing. God will bless you in Jesus' name. So if God can build an edge or put an edge around you, he can also remove the edge. In Psalm 89 verse 40, Psalm 89, verse 40. The Bible tells us the psalmist was complaining. He was complaining about some actions of God. When God turned against his people, what did God do in that passage? He said, thou hast broken down all his edges. Thou hast brought his strongholds to ruin. God will not break down your edges. Amen. <laughs> Brethren, if God breaks down the edges of a man, the man is not only exposed, the man is what? It's finished. It's finished. I pray for you again. God will not break down your edges. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, he said, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that they should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. Do you realize one thing, brethren? Grapes and wild grapes 
they are similar. True or false? In fact, they are so similar that somebody could be eating wild grapes, not knowing, thinking that he was eating what? Grapes. I don't know if wild grapes is poisonous or not, but I know that some individuals thinking they are eating the right thing have gone to eat something that is poisonous and have ended up dying. Is that not so? Wild grapes are not meant to be eaten. They grow together with the grapes. But when the edges are removed, that is what happens. But I said, go to. I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the edge thereof. And it shall be what? It shall be eaten up. And break down the wall thereof. And it shall be trodden down. I pray for you again. God will not take away your edge of protection. Amen. The edge that God has put around you will not be taken away in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you are here today. And that edge no longer exists. It will be restored. Amen. I said it will be restored. Amen. Because brethren, when the edge is broken, God's desire is that it be mended. And every now and then, God is looking for a man that he can use to achieve that purpose. God is looking for somebody that will stand up for him to mend the broken wall. In Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. Ezekiel 22 verse 30. Ezekiel 22 verse 30. God here was speaking. He said, and I sought for a man among them. I did what? That should make up the edge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But he found how many? He found none. He found none that would stand in the gap for the land. So that the, the, the edge will be restored. And so brethren, to understand what can break an edge or result in an edge being broken, we want to look at the story of a man in the Bible known as Achan. Known as what? Brother Achan. In Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7 verse 1. Joshua chapter 7 verse 1. Say, but the children of Israel committed a trespass in their costing. Now, I want you to take note of that fact. It said, the children of Israel. It doesn't say, but Achan committed a trespass. He said, who committed the trespass? He said, for Achan, the son of Kamai, son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of their costing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. It was Achan that sinned. Who, who, were, who bore the brunt of his sin? The whole, the whole congregation. And that's very important. And that's one thing we must take note of. That's one thing we must take note of. One man, and you know when men began to die, was Achan among the first people that died? Until he was found out. That is what sin does among the children of God. That is what a man that breaks the edge can inflict upon a body of Christ. When God wants to move, we hinder him, we prevent him from moving. 
Because God wants to move in a congregation of righteousness. But there is a man that has broken the edge. There is a man that has decided to partake in the sin of Achan. And if there is such a man, if there is such a woman in our midst today, today is a day of reconciliation. And I pray that you will not live here the way you came in Jesus' name. It was Achan that sinned. But the sin of Achan was ascribed to Israel. And the whole congregation did what? They suffered for it. They suffered for it. What was the sin of Achan? What did Achan do that brought this, I mean, these grievous or these grave consequences? And I've listed a number of things here. The first thing was greed. The first thing was what? Greed. Greed. And greed makes a man to be disqualified from serving before the Lord. Greed does what? It disqualifies a man from serving in the presence of the living God. Some of us, we are never satisfied. We are like what the Bible says about the grave. In the book of Proverbs. So the grave is never what? It's never full. It's never satisfied. He's always asking for more. And you know, even in our times, we have found a way of uh, making things uh, easier for the grave. Is that not so? We say, instead of rather than bury the people, what do we do? We cremate them. Say, grave, reserve your space for some others that are coming. Let us cremate these ones. And so we establish that uh, uh, insatiable desire of the grave. That is what greed is. But never satisfied. Always asking for more. It is greed that will make a man to begin to destroy what he's supposed to protect. And that's what the Bible says about some shepherds of the Lord. People that are supposed to be, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd protects the flock. A shepherd feeds the flock, right? A shepherd ensures that the flock does not go astray. But when the shepherd begins to feed on the flock, when the shepherd begins to make himself or herself fat at the expense of the flock, that is greed. It is greed that makes a man to go for bribery to pervert justice. It is greed that will make a man to say what I have is for what? The highest bidder. If all you have for me is $200, well, there's another person that has what? $400. Is that how you increase your, your offer or you lose the, or whatever it is? That is a contract or appointment. And you know, many of us foolishly think that bribery is something that is uh, localized to what is called the third world. Is that true? Is that true? If you, are, if you, are very, if you follow the news, you only need to think back to a company that is called SNC Lavalin. It was popular during the Canadian election. Is that also? Why? Because that's what they were doing. 
They will bribe government officials from one, not just in one country to get contracts. Is it Nigerians that taught them? I know it's true. There was there's a company in the US, I don't know if it still exists. It's called Halliburton. Halliburton is in the oil service industry. Halliburton had a problem with the American government because in order to get contracts, they would do what? Greed, brethren. Greed. That was the first problem of Achan. And God will not and does not and cannot tolerate it. Tell somebody, don't be greedy. As if you mean it, say, don't be greedy. God will find you faithful in Jesus' name. I say, God will find you faithful in Jesus' name. The next sin of Achan is disobedience. Is what? Disobedience. And what does the Bible say about disobedience? We know that uh, 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 popular passage. I believe it's uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 13 or so, that says, to obey is what? Is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Many of us will go astray and come back and tell God we are what? We are sorry. That is not what God desires from us. What God desires from you is not to be coming back every time and be saying, God, I'm sorry. What he desires from you is what? Obedience. Do you realize that every sin that a man sins can be summarized as what? Disobedience. Disobedience. That's why the Bible says all unrighteousness is very simple. All unrighteousness is sin. And that's key. If we are going to stand where the Lord has called us to stand, we must ensure that our lot in life is not one of disobedience. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. I said the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Where do you stand on the scale of obedience and disobedience? Achan knew the instruction that was given unto the children of Israel. Joshua clearly said, We'll go into the, uh, the land. We'll destroy everything there. The, it is the first fruit of our harvest in the promised land. It is what? The first fruit. So all the human beings, all their stocks, do what? Destroy them. But you are allowed to take only the silver, the gold. For who? For God. Not for you. You are allowed to take some things in there. For the house of God. But Brother Achan knew better, like many of us do. Is that not so? Many of us think we know better. We're going to, I mean, that which the Lord has kept, or that which I've been told, this is meant for the Lord. And we indulge in it. The unfortunate thing for him is that he touched what, uh, uh, what Joshua called the accursed thing. What did he call it? They are costing. When we go to uh, Joshua chapter 6, Joshua chapter 6, 
Jesus chapter 6. I'll, from, I'll read from verse 18. Joshua 6, 18. He said, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accosting, lest ye make yourselves a cause. Do, do you understand that statement? Keep yourselves from what? Lest what? So when you take an accost thing, what happens? Do you understand the gravity of that statement? Brethren, is the word of God. When you take what the Lord has forbidden, you become forbidden. When you take what the Lord detests, it makes you what? Detested. I think my English is still right. Keep yourselves from the accosting, lest you make yourselves a cause. When you take up the accosting and make the camp of Israel what? A cause and trouble it. The name Achan means troubler. He that troubles. He that troubles. Achan made himself the troubler of Israel. And I remember in, uh, I believe it's 1 Kings chapter 18. There was an incident in 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1. Elijah stood before Ahab and said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, there shall what? There shall not be rain or dew in the land, except by my word. And it was so, that for three and a half years, there was no rain in the land. Then one day, say, tell somebody one day, God told Elijah, go and show yourself to Ahab. And Elijah came and stood before Ahab. And Ahab made a statement. He said, are you he that troubled Israel? What was the response of, of, uh, of, of Elijah? He said, no. I am not the one that troubles Israel. But it is you and what? And your father's house that have made the choice to worship Baal. And this, I mean, this is where we started. When you as a member of the congregation, when you as a member of the household of faith, decides that the living God will no longer be your God, but an alternative God will become your God. The unfortunate thing is, when the punishment comes, you are not alone. You, your, your, your disobedience impacts or affects other members of the congregation. You will not be a plague in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody does not like that prayer. Amen. I say you will not be a plague in Jesus' name. Amen. It will not be accounted of you that you are the one that troubles the people of God in the name of Jesus. That passage I'm just talking about is in 1 uh, Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. We can... Uh, from verse 17 to verse 19. Amen? That's what disobedience caused. What was the... I mean, the other sin that, we, that uh, Achan was guilty of. He was guilty of what is called trespass. He was guilty of what? What does it mean to trespass? What does it mean of trespass? When I was looking at this, I saw that trespass can mean many things. Because... Trespass ordinarily just means 
this is my own lot, right? Why did you walk into my lot? Why did you come to my driveway? You shouldn't be on my driveway, right? But the Bible makes us to understand that trespass can mean rebellion. Trespass can mean transgression. Amen? Trespass can mean stealing. It can mean what? And that's why when you go to, uh, I believe it's Exodus 22. The Bible is talking about different ways in which a person can trespass. And the Bible makes us to understand that the number one requirement of trespassing is what? Restitution. What did I say? What does it mean to restitute? What does it mean to restitute? To give back. To give back what you have stolen. To give back what you have taken. To give back that which is in your hand that does not belong to you. Oh, many of us don't like that one. Is that not so? We don't like it. Restitution. Then we start looking for theories to justify what we have done. But it's there in the Bible, brethren. Remember what Zacchaeus said when he met Jesus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He, had, he was a very rich tax collector, but he was rich at the expense of the people. And he knew it. And he came across, he desired to see Jesus. He climbed that sycamore tree so that they could see him. And Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Today, salvation is coming to your house. And Zacchaeus made a statement. He said, if I have taken anything by force, of course he knew he had done that. From any man. He said, I will restore it. How many fold? Fourfold. I will restitute fourfold. Did Jesus tell him, don't do it? Is somebody with me this morning? Exodus chapter 22. When you begin to read from verse 1, you see how the Lord kept telling the people, if you have stolen something, the result is what? Restitute. Restitute. Give back. Give back. Now, let's look at verse 9. We're talking about trespass, right? Exodus 22, verse 9. Exodus 22, verse 9. Now, no, maybe let's start from verse 7. I'll start from verse 7. Let's start from verse 7. Exodus 22, verse, from verse 7. If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen out of the man's house, if the thief be found, let him do what? Let him do what? Tell somebody, please don't steal. I, I don't be afraid. Tell your neighbor, please don't steal. Because if you steal, you are going to pay what? You will pay double. Do you know, in, in our world today, they say, oh, we are in the world of grace. But do you know that the Spirit knows a way of making you to enforce that law? And you just know that no matter what you do, you are not, you won't get out of it. Oh. You, will, you will pay double. If not more than double. You will not lose out in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's go to verse 8. Verse 8. If the thief be not found, then the master of the house shall be brought unto the judges to see whether he have put his hand onto his neighbor's goods. Verse 9. For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox or ass, for sheep, for raiment, or for any manner of lost thing, which another challenger to be his, 
The cause of both parties shall come before the judges. And whom the judges shall condemn. He shall do what? He shall pay double unto his, uh, unto his neighbor. Now if you go through the whole of uh, Exodus chapter 22, you will see all manner of instructions on the area of restitution. Brethren, it's better not to steal than to be called upon to restitute. Do you know? Remember the topic we are discussing this morning? The peril of what? Of sin. It's better not to steal than to have to restitute. Because, brethren, God will not change his law because of you. Tell your neighbor, God will not change his law because of you. It's very important. Do you know many of us say, oh, you know what, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. And do you know why we continue in what we are doing? Because we are truly not repentant. There is something called iniquity. That thing called iniquity, my own definition of it is manufactured sin. In other words, iniquity is the sin that you do what? Uh, because I'm talking of sin today, nobody is, it's like somebody is not happy. It's the message God asked me to bring today. Oh. Don't worry, the day of blessing will come. You are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Iniquity is what? Manufactured sin. There's premeditation. You engineer it. You bring all the different components together. And you, 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 you implement. You become a project manager for, for sin. Is that not so? From inception to completion to, to the time you are ready to show it to the world. This is what I have done. And the problem with that is that it becomes difficult to say, God, I'm what? Because the moment you say, God, I'm sorry, the devil will say, shut up. Which sorry are you? You don't even mean it. So even when God has forgiven you, you live as if God has not forgiven you. Because of the steps you took to get there. But you know the unfortunate thing is that many people say they are sorry, but they don't mean it. And when you say you are sorry and you don't mean it, uh, I believe it's Galatians chapter 6, right? He said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. When you are saying, God, I'm sorry, and God knows that you are not sorry, where do you go with that? No way. We are talking about trespass. And of course, I think we, we started by talking about him taking the accursed thing. The accursed thing. The problem with the accursed thing is that from the passage we read, it brings curses upon the individual. It brings curses upon the house. A man of God, uh, I think he's late now, Derek Prince, he shared a particular uh, testimony or story about him, himself. He was a man of God. His ministry was flourishing. He was living in obedience to God, but he had a problem. And what was the problem? His finances were in, were in tatters. And he went to God and said, Lord, what is the problem? I am obeying your word. I am teaching your word. He was a teacher of the word. That was his own ministry. But, I mean, they wanted to buy a house. The money, there was no down payment, talk less of a mortgage. I mean, being able to get any mortgage. And so he said, one day he was praying. And God opened his eyes to a picture 
a drawing that was in his living room. And what was it? It was a drawing of a dragon. Now, that particular drawing or picture was passed down from his grandfather, from his grandfather, who was an officer in the British Army when they went to either China or India. When they went to, to fight the war, a war in India. So the grandfather passed it to his father, and his father did what? Passed it to him. And so for him, it was a valued possession. But what he did not know is that it was an accursed drawing. That drawing, you know what I mean by drawing, right? Like a picture. That's a picture. Exactly, a painting of a dragon in his living room was what was hindering him from prospering. I'm talking of a man of God, not a man of God in the caliber of people like us. If you have never heard of the prince before, go online, just type his name, and you will have a very good idea of the level of ministry that he had. But his ministry was not prospering because he had an accursed thing in his house. And the accursed thing he had in his house was just a painting which he inherited from his grandfather. And maybe God is talking to someone here today. Maybe there is that beautiful painting that you say is only artwork. The artwork that comes alive when everybody is asleep. The artwork that will make sure whenever you want to pray, that is the time you feel like sleeping. The artwork that will ensure that when you are watching, uh, you know what is coming to my mind is a very funny one. Why are you laughing now? You know, there's, uh, do they see how this, I saw it on the TV long ago, that's why I say it's funny. They call it Hawaii 5.0. Does anybody remember what I'm talking about? Uh, the old one, Abby. Of course, I've, I've not. I don't know if it's ex if it still exists, but that's what came to my mind. <laughs> when you are watching a Y five O, you are alert. Don't worry, success. You you can't know it. You are alert. You are awake. What you want to start praying? Roka pasotolianda hidabo. Amen. You are off. And it's not off because even even the day you don't go to work. Sleep throughout. You still want to pray at night. What happens? You sleep. But if that night, what you want to do is do any other thing. You say, oh, because I slept during the day, I wake at night. But because you decided either to read your Bible or to pray, irrespective of how long you slept, you still do what? There is an hour to get rid of. And until you get rid of it, it will continue to hinder you. You see, when you pray, God will answer you. So, but what the devil do? It will be praying. That's all. Very simple. I know that easy equation. Prayerlessness is equal to powerlessness. And I pray for someone here today. If there's any accosting in your house, if there's any accosting in your possession, God will open your eyes. Amen. And pray for the grace to be obedient. Achan was disobedient. Because when the Lord tells you this thing with you is a cause, maybe for you it's a, what do they call that thing? Is it bangle? Yeah, what? Bracelet. What is ileke in English? Good. Yeah, beats, right? Good. Maybe you're inside, say, oh, it's my mommy that gave me, 
It has white and green. In fact, it is for good luck. It is bad luck. It is bad. It is your connection to the kingdom of darkness. And for as long as God is speaking to someone here today, for as long as you keep going about with that thing, you will pray once in a while and you will blame God. The fault is not with God. The fault is the accursed thing that you are carrying about. Maybe in your own case, you know that this thing was dedicated to the idol of your family. Say, oh, my daughter, you are the most beautiful one of my children. And you are the one I just want to give this to. You better throw it away. You better do what? Throw it away. Because that is what is hindering your progress. That is what is hindering your promotion. That is your cause thing. That is making a cause to follow you. You are a child of God. If you die, you will make it to heaven. But if God's purpose for you is to flourish on this earth, why choose to live like a pauper? Because you have in your possession what? At their costing. I know God is speaking to someone here today. And I pray that as God opens your eyes, the grace to be obedient and do what is right, you will do it in Jesus' name. We are talking about the peril of sin. Sin does not build up. Sin destroys. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Is death. That is the end result. That's what the devil wants. He wants to frustrate you to the point that you will take a step that ordinarily you will not take. But you know what? You serve a living God. I want to tell someone here today, your father is alive. Amen. Tell somebody, my father is alive. And who is that father we are talking about? He's God. He's the living God. He's the living God. He's the only father whose children can send him on errand. Is that not so? He's the only father whose children can say, Father, in fact, he himself will say, step aside and watch me. Is that not, is that not so? See what I will do. See how I will fight for you. That is our God. You are the-